0: This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California for April 2nd, 2023. The title of the message is A Life Worthy of the Gospel. Well, we come now to uh, that portion of the service in which we uh, open our Bibles and we gather around and and, uh, hear God's Word as an act of worship, as an act of faith. If you would open your Bibles with me to Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1, we're continuing in our morning series, verses um, 27 to chapter 2, verse 4, and if you have a different translation or you don't have a Bible, you can follow along uh, on the slide behind me or in your worship bulletin. Before we hear God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, for his help to understand it. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come humbly, we come boldly. Uh, Lord, we come uh, trusting in you, Lord, to convey uh, the truth of your word to us. Lord, we understand and we know that simply listening um, isn't enough. We pray that we would listen intently by faith that your Holy Spirit would indwell in us and make true into our lives, to impress those truths into our hearts and our lives so that we would see it as truth, that it would mold us and shape us and fill us, that we would walk by faith, not by sight, that as we do so, we would confess to our, to our own selves and to those around us and to the whole world that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, from your mouth. And so we pray to that end you would bless me, your servant. Would you empower my words and the meditations of my heart as I proclaim it, that it would not return unto you void without accomplishing all that you ordain in the hearts and the lives of your people. May they be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now then the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 27. but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, but also to the interests of others the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our god stands forever may he add his blessing to it this morning in the uh, in the ancient greek world in the ancient world there was nothing more menacing to see on the battlefield than a Greek phalanx. If you're familiar with um, ancient military history, and I know I know all of you are, but <laughs> um, but some of you, if you remember, you watching kind of uh, those those movies about ancient Rome or Greece. A phalanx was a um, a, a group of Roman soldiers with these large sh- shields and a, and swords, but, but primarily with these long spears, in which they can then uh, connect all their their shields together uh, a- along the edges, and then within and then within the middle of the that uh, square, if you will, uh, there were other soldiers who would then hold up their their shields above them, and so they were like almost like a tank. they were covered uh, and protected with a skin, if you will, of their shields, and then they would move forward and people would slash they would th- they would shoot arrows and they couldn't hit the soldiers underneath and it was very menacing because they were like a human tank and and the the reason why the phalanx was so effective was that these soldiers who made up that phalanx were disciplined they were tight uh, shoulder to shoulder, shield to shield in their formation. They knew that if any person uh, fell out of the rank or fell out of the formation, it was a weak spot and their enemy could take advantage of it. And so the key to that, their, their prowess and their effectiveness was their unity that they acted as one, together, as a team. And so they marched and pushed forward as one. They fought and they repelled their opponents as one. They lived and they died together as one. And so as they stood firm and held together, they stood firm and faithful. And if they did that, they would win the day. But if they fell apart, then they would most likely uh, be overcome. And the Church of Jesus Christ is very much like that. We are like a, a phalanx of, of soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not too long ago, I went through the full armor of God, and the backdrop of that imagery is a phalanx with a shield and a, and, and a sword and a helmet, a breastplate. Um, and the ancient Roman shields, they would have grooves along the sides so that they can connect together and push forward and get, have a little bit more leverage uh, for that shield wall or part of that phalanx. And so the church is very much like that phalanx in the world, in, in the kingdom battles that God has appointed to us. And so if we stand together, we will stand firm. We will stand as one. This morning, the Apostle Paul takes that imagery and applies it to the church, and he calls us to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And how do we do that? By standing firm and standing faithful together in the gospel. And so let's look at what that looks like. So how do we do that? That's the question. First, we live in a manner worthy of the gospel as we stand firm together in the gospel. Beginning in verse 27, Paul calls us to one thing. Right? He's, he's just ex- explained how deeply he loves and yearns for the Philippian church, how he longs to see them with the affection and the love of Jesus Christ. And now, in his absence, he's giving them instructions to hold everything together, uh, to fight the persecution and opposition that they are probably facing, and he knows that they're facing, uh, especially since he is in chains himself in, in Rome. And so he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is the one thing he wants them to to see. Every, this, is the, this is the umbrella in which everything else he's going to tell them falls under, it's that one thing he wants them to do, and what is it? To, to live in a manner uh, worthy of the gospel. And so what does that mean? It means standing firm in the citizenship that we have in the gospel, through the gospel. Uh, the word that Paul uses here to describe manner of life, right? It is an ancient Greek word from which we get the idea of politics, it, it, the manner of life in accord with our citizenship. In other words, when the Greeks used the word that Paul's using here, he says, a manner of life w- as a citizen of which they belong and to live a life worthy of the gospel. In, the, in Paul's day, if you remember my introduction uh, to the book of Philippians, uh, Philippi was considered uh, an extension of the city of Rome. They were so faithful to Rome during the particular wars that they had a special status that, uh, that if you were born uh, in Philippi as a citizen of Philippi, then it was almost, it was as if you were born in the city of Rome. And so you have all the rights and privileges as if you were born in Rome. It was a an embassy, a, a slice of, of Rome uh, in the middle, on the coast of Greece. And, um, and so, so they had Roman citizenship. They lived, and so the Philippians, the Philippian people prided themselves on that Roman citizenship. The whole city, the culture, the dress, the architecture, uh, the very fabric of the city of Philippi was modeled after Rome. And so that's an interesting concept. That because their citizenship was with Rome, it was as if they were living in Rome in the middle of Greece. And Paul is taking that idea and turning it on its head and saying rather than being prideful or, or caring so much about your Roman citizenship, Living a life that is uh, worthy of your Roman citizenship in Greece, live a life that is in in a manner worthy of your citizenship in Christ. In a manner worthy of your citizenship in heaven. To live a life uh, in a manner worthy of who you are in the gospel, who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for you and and implicit in that is don't, is Paul saying is don't live in a manner unworthy of the go, of your of the gospel that saved you to live a life uh, that is inconsistent with your citizenship in heaven to live a life a manner uh, of life in which it was as if you weren't born again uh, as if you weren't saved, as if you weren't forgiven, as if Jesus didn't die for you, as if you weren't righteous in Christ, as if you weren't being sanctified by grace, as if you were not adopted as God's children. Paul says later on in chapter 3, verse 20, he see, he says, in contrast, he says, but live as uh, because you are, we are citizens, our citizenship is in heaven, and, it, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the way that the Philippians was, were an extension of the city of Rome, what Paul is saying is live together as citizens of heaven to live together as an extension of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so that means our lives are gonna take different shape. Because our primary citizenship is not in this world, but it is in heaven. That our primary citizenship, our true citizenship, if you will, is in heaven and therefore we ought to live in that way. Uh, the, The culture, the way of life is different. It ought to be different. And so we have to stand firm in who we are, stand firm in what God has done for us. Stand firm in what God has given us. Stand firm in who God is for you. Uh, Brothers and sisters, it is so easy for us to live in a manner unworthy of the gospel. Uh, What that means is it's not that we're trying to earn uh, our citizenship, but it's to live in a way uh, that knows the worth of our citizen, the citizenship that we already have in the gospel. Um, maybe putting it this way. We live in a way that recognizes the worth of our citizenship in Christ. That recognizes the worth of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That recognizes the worth of who we are as the children of God. Because it when we think about the way that we live, we are all living in a way in which we recognize the worth of something, right? If we recognize the worth of our home, right, and some of us, you know, in the past three years, our homes have really skyrocketed in value. We're going to live in a way that recognizes its worth, and we're not going to let it um, break down. We're going to fix things. We're going to keep it. We're going to upkeep it and, and take care of it. Right? If we recognize the worth of our stocks, and we know that the upward trend is going up, and maybe maybe for some of us it's going down, but if we know it's going to go up, we're not going to sell it. We're going to keep 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 it because it's going to just continue to grow in, in its worth. Right? If we if we find uh, our own worth uh, in in something other than God, we're going to live in a manner that recognizes the priority of that worth. And what Paul is saying here is to live in a manner that recognizes the worth of Jesus Christ. And that ought to change everything, our priorities, our decisions, our choices, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time. So what, how are you living in a manner worthy of what God has done for you. So then Paul now gives a little bit more meat to his bone to the bones of what he's saying here. And he tells us what it means then to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And it means standing firm together for the faith of the gospel. Look at verse 27, right? This is what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. It means standing firm in one spirit, Right? Look at what he says here. I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. What is that spirit? Uh, I think he in every other section here Paul refers to whenever he refers to the spirit he refers to the Holy Spirit. And so he's reminding us that our unity is not in in our social, economic, educational uh, class uh, or the 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 uh, the human ways in which we have in common, right? Our neighborhoods, our, um, our ethnicities, maybe even our language. What Paul is saying is our unity is supernatural and it is grounded in the spirit of God that, that saved us, that rescued us, that caused us to be born again, that united us to Christ and made us one with him. And in being made one with him, we are made one with one another. It also means standing firm with one mind, right, with one purpose. When we're one in Christ, one in the truth of the gospel, one in mission and goal and doctrine, then we will think in the same way. We will um, we'll go together forward because our hearts and our minds are, are one, you know. Um, again, it's just a reminder that we are a church on mission, we have to remember the great commission that God gave us, that Jesus gave us, to go and make disciples of all nations. And that we can't let uh, our mission drift. We can't go into all all kinds of other things that take away from our primary mission. And and yes, that mission has different ways in which we manifest it, but it's so easy for us because we're sinners and we take the gospel for granted, we take our church for granted, we take our community for granted that we begin to see everything uh, in terms of what, what it does for us, not what we do for the Lord in terms of mission. And so we stand together, we stand together, We like, uh, like that phalanx with one mind, as if we are one person, right? Rather than going all different ways, we, we go together with one mind, one purpose. And it also means that we will stand firm. If we stand firm in one spirit and in one mind, then we will stand firm side by side for the faith of the gospel. And here Paul is using athletic and military language. And so he's saying like wrestlers, we strive or we struggle together against our common foe. Right? And like soldiers, we fight side by side, shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield, holding the line uh, for the faith of the gospel, lest our opponents come and break ranks, help us, make us break ranks and go right through and destroy everything. See, the point is, we have to stand firm together for the faith of the gospel. The reason why we are a church of Jesus Christ, the reason why we gather as a community Let me me put it this way. It's not so that you can be a religious consumer of Christian knowledge and truth. Uh, You come to church not uh, as as a Christian consumer asking what can the church do for me. To live a life worthy of the gospel is that you come to church so that we can serve one another, to stand firm together. Because it's hard enough to be a Christian in this culture, in this day and age. And it's harder to do it all by yourself. That we need one another. We need to encourage one another. Uh, I still remember playing high school football. And uh, we had... You know, I, I, I was a lineman, and so I was the center, and I would snap the ball. And I remember how how hard it is to protect the quarterback if there's nobody next to you to kind of build a human wall, if you will. Because once you you kind of venture into your own thing, then someone can just go right around you. And so the, the Lord is, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul is calling us to stand side by side to help us up uh, and to, to use us, to use our unity uh, to, to fight for the gospel and to take the gospel out so that others can hear it. And so uh, you are each and every one of you integral uh, members of the church. We, you know, maybe some of you feel like, you know, if, if, I, um, if I stopped coming or if I left the church, you know, nobody would notice. Nobody would care. Well, according to scripture, you are absolutely essential to the life of our church. And I hope you will see that. And I hope that each and every one of you will look around and you will recognize how essential one another, uh, each other you are. Side by side. And, um, And so we have to, we can't go it alone. We have to stand firm in one spirit that leads us to Christ with one mind to give us the mind of Christ, striving side by side like that Greek phalanx for the preservation and advance of the kingdom of God. And so as we do this, we show the world who we really are. Uh, As we stand firm together in the gospel, Paul goes on to tell us that we became a sign of the gospel, a sign of salvation in the gospel. When we stand firm, look at what he goes on to say. And not frightened, verse 28, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation in that from God. See, when we stand firm together, it gives us the courage to stand against our opponents. Paul says it's a clear sign to them then also of their impending destruction. It's a kind of judgment, a preview of the judgment against them that when they're trying to frighten us, intimidate us, when they see that we're not intimidated, we're not frightened, they realize that they should be the ones afraid. Not not that we're going to do any harm to them, but... But these people, you can't intimidate them because their fear is not us. They fear God more than they fear us. And if they fear God more than they fear us, and we're the ones who are trying to intimidate them, then we should be afraid too, like deathly afraid. Um, And we know this from our own experience. If you've ever played sports, uh, and an opposing team throws the best that they have against you to intimidate you, to make you afraid. And, and you don't even flinch. You know, they're the ones who end up being intimidated. Like, what? We've, we've thrown everything but the kitchen sink at them, and, and they haven't even blinked. Like, what do they have? What's their secret weapon? You know, they become the ones that are afraid. And they're the ones who get scared when we're the ones who are Not scared. And not only is it a sign to them of their destruction, but it'll be a sign to them and to us of our salvation, which is from God. See, again, our, when we are not frightened and we stand uh, faithful and courageous, it's a supernatural work of God working in our hearts. To be, to be surrounded by our enemies, being persecuted, being threatened with torture and, and jail, uh, social, uh, and becoming social pariahs, are being pushed to the margins of any culture and society because we're followers of Jesus. And when we are the ones who are not frightened, people realize that their salvation is, is not what we can take away. Their salvation is not what we can do to them. Their salvation is, is in what God has done for them. And see, when we stand firm and unfrightened by what anybody can take away with take away from us what we are recognizing is what god has given to us that no one can take away that our salvation is from god if we're not afraid to die at the hands of persecutors it's because death has been conquered death has lost its sting it means we've been saved from sin and death so that they can do uh, so that so what they can do to us god can undo at the end and it doesn't even have to be death. It could be just cultural, social belittling. If people see us as social pariahs, yet we, exude, uh, we all exude a joy that transcends social acceptance, then it's because our acceptance is not from society, but from God. Our salvation is not from people, but from the Lord. And that's how people know that we are saved by what we are afraid or not afraid of. This is why we must do everything we can to stand firm in the gospel. This is why we must do everything we can to gather every Sunday around God's word because we need to be reminded of the salvation that we have that no one can take away so that when people try to take away something, we won't be fazed. I mean, it'll hurt, I'm sure, but we're not gonna gonna renounce our faith in Christ can't take that away. They can't take away our the treasure that we have in Christ. We can't they can't take away every spiritual blessing that we have in the heavenly places. They can't take away our adoption in Christ. They can't take away they can't take away God as our Heavenly Father. And if they kill us, let's put it that way, if they kill us, God will raise us up again. Do you see that? So so it is a sign of our salvation from God, and so maybe this is a challenge to you here. What are the things that you are afraid of? And if someone were to ever take it away, why would you be afraid? Uh, can I just encourage you and challenge you to to, uh, to you know just maybe have a thought game, right? What if take something that you love so deeply and and, and think about it, like what if you were it were what if you were to lose it somehow? Someone were to take it away from you or circumstances would make it so that it's, 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 you, you, you lose it, it's gone. Um, you know, what would you live for? Right? Or if, if, if you recognize that what you have in God can never be taken away, then then you can have a security that only Christians can have. It's not a stoicism, but a recognition of of living in a a manner worthy of the treasure that you have in God. And then later on, um, Paul goes on to say that that, uh, we will suffer the way that he is suffering, the way that the Philippians will suffer. Look what he goes on to say. For it has been granted to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And so my, so let us live in a manner worthy of the gospel together as we face our opponents. Uh, Let me, uh, just uh, summarize a little bit uh, from verses one to two, uh, one to four here. Um, let me just introduce it because we're going to be talking more about uh, setting the stage then for for what Paul tells us in verses in chapter two, verse five to eleven, in, in the great hymn of Christ's humiliation and exaltation. And so I'll be preaching on his humiliation for Good Friday, and then his exaltation. Uh, for Resurrection Sunday, and, and it, it just worked out in God's providence so well, so perfect for this season. But, um, but let me just summarize here that Paul then turns from uh, standing firm against our opponents in the face of persecution, and then he turns now from the outside to the inside in standing faithful and serving one another in the church of Jesus Christ, to serve faithfully one another because of the gospel. And he gives us four reasons that we can serve one another in the church. He, give, he says here, he gives us four truths. So if, right, and, and maybe another way to think about it is since, because, one, there is any encouragement in Christ. Right? We have encouragement uh, of having every good and perfect gift in Christ Jesus. Uh, we have the encouragement of eternal life grounded in everything that we have in the life of Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, when we feel discouraged, we need only to look to Jesus who encourages us in the gospel. Uh, We also have the consolation of God's love, right? Any comfort from love, he says here. When we feel discouraged, lost, and alone, the Lord consoles us by reminding us how much he loved us. There's a reason why Paul writes throughout his epistle to the Romans over and over again, the hard truths of sin and the grace of salvation, but then he answers any doubts that we might have of God's love when he says, uh, for God so, uh, um, excuse me, he who did not spare his one and only son, his beloved son, how will he then not give us all things? If God loved us this much in giving his one and only son, then how much more does he love you in all of your circumstances? He he goes from the greater to the lesser so that when we are experiencing uh, the lesser trials, we can remember the greater love that he's shown to us. We love because he first loved us, 1 John 4.19. And not only do we have the consolation of his love, we have the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. If there is any participation, literally fellowship in the Spirit, he's reminding us that not only the Spirit, the Spirit not only unites us together in Christ, but in that union, we have deep, rich fellowship with one another. Unlike anything that anyone could ever experience except through the Spirit. To experience the love of God from, the, from God himself through the Spirit and then extend that out to one another. That when we, when we fellowship one another, when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we care for one another, when we encourage one another, we are manifesting the love of God from God to one another as agents of God. And it is in this community of love that our world is so hungering and thirsting for. You know, even in your own life and and probably in the life of of your own friends, and maybe this was true of you, that you you hungered and thirsted for someone to love you, and you were desperate for it, and you looked for it, in places you maybe you ought not to have, in ways that you should not have. But but you you knew how 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 desperate you were for someone to love you and for you to love somebody. And it's because we are searching for that deep love that only God can provide in the gospel. And He has provided for it in the love of, of Jesus Christ. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. How? By sending his one and only son to die for us as a propitiation, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How do you know that God loves you? Just look at what he did at the cross as an expression and a manifestation of the greatest act of love. There is no greater love than this, than someone lay down his life for those whom he loves. And so then we share in the affection and sympathy in Christ out of that love. And and this echoes the language that uh, Paul says about um, uh, I yearn for you with the affection of Christ. And then he says, complete my joy. And how do we do that? By being of the same mind. Again, he's repeating what he said earlier uh, in, in, at the end of chapter uh, one, having the same love, being in full accord uh, of one mind. And then he goes on and he says, humble yourself, do nothing out of rivalry and conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. See, when we express the love of God, when we receive the love of God in Christ and we, we give the love of God uh, of, uh, of God in Christ, then we're gonna become like Christ. And we're going to humble ourselves and serve others. We're going to we're going to look to their interests more than ours, and we're going to look at that uh, this Good Friday. But let me close uh, by reminding you to live in a manner worthy of the gospel uh, by which you were saved. Not because you earned it, not because you are worthy of it, but because you already have it. And so we live in a manner worthy of the gospel which we have already received. We live in a manner recognizing its worth. And this is what it means to not only be saved by grace, but to live by grace. We live in a manner consistent with that, with the grace that we have received, because it is precious to us. It is worth everything to us, and this is why the Apostle Paul goes on to give us the, the worth of Christ and why, how he lives in a manner worthy of the worth of the gospel. He says in chapter four, uh, excuse me, he says, um, he says in, in chapter three, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his death and resurrection friends, brothers, and sisters. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to live in a manner knowing the worth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Help us then to live in a manner worthy of that great gift that you've given to us. Lord, would you prepare our hearts then for a good Friday? Would you help us to live out these truths as the peop- as your people, Help us to stand stand firm together and to stand faithfully in service to one another so that Jesus would be worth our all in all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.